Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who love to read. Readers who love to write. And anyone who loves words. So today we have our dear friend, Emily Barnett with us. We got to know Emily over Instagram, mainly because she is just so great at building community. And one of the things she has done to really build community is the hashtag Flash Fiction Magic which is a flash fiction group every Friday where um, writers share a short piece of writing, a short story based on a prompt that Emily has given. It has been a wonderful practice for me and really invaluable. Emily and her work have also just been really important to me because she is one of my critique partners. And so I have had the joy of getting to share work with her and get feedback from her and just learn and grow together. And um, so it's really fun for me to have you here today, Emily. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. We always start with the same question. Which is, what is your story with story? Like, what is in your past? When did you fall in love with it? Stories that meant something to you? Any of that? Yeah, I was trying to think what the earliest story I could remember. I mean, I'm sure there were other ones, but one that comes to mind is my dad would read The Selfish Giant by Oscar Wilde. It's actually a short story. I've only met like three people who have heard of it. I read it because of you, actually. You Yay! mentioned it on Instagram and then I went and found it because I was so curious. Did you like it? I did. It's a beautiful okay, story. <laughs> I loved it as a kid. And I think why I liked it is because it was kind of my first introduction to metaphor and allegory. And it's so subtle, at least it was as a kid, that when I got to the end, it always like hit me like with a ton of bricks. And I really enjoy writing like that now. And so I think it's cool like looking back and being like, oh, those, that short story really resonated even as a kid. And also that speaks loudly to children too, right? Metaphor does. And then I think when I was a little older, I remember Holes by, and I don't know how to say his name. Is it Lewis Sacker? You guys so, know. So. Yeah. Thaddeus and I just read that one too, actually. Last year. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I just, I loved how like the details were so quirky, but also like he like weaved in so many of the details from past and present. And like, it was just so well done. I haven't read it as an adult, so I don't know, you know, maybe I was more amazed. Oh, it was still really that. enjoyable as an adult. Yeah. So that was a huge one for me. Yeah. I took a, I took a, never mind. It was junior high. I, I had no choice in what classes I took, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I was in a English class in junior high and my teacher, her name was Mrs. Molesky. She had us do creative writing and um, one of my poems she really enjoyed and she sent it to the newspapers and I got like interviewed and like photographers came. It was this like patriotic poem, which now I like read it and I'm like <laughs> so embarrassed. But at the time it was like huge for, I don't know. She just yeah, really have that kind of encouragement. It's so yeah. important. She's still one of those teachers that sticks with me of like encouraging, encouraging me in writing. Yeah. So that, that was huge for me as a kid too. It's amazing how many of the writers we've talked to have had similar stories of a teacher or someone like significant in their life, reading something of theirs and encouraging them in that path. Definitely. And so when did you decide you wanted to write like as a career or as um, yeah. a pursuit? <laughs> it kind of dropped off in high school. And then college, I took a creative writing class. It was always kind of like on the back burner, like this is fun. 
And then I also I had another professor who I, I made her cry with one of my stories. Mm-hmm. She just lost, <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> you know, she had just lost, I think her dad. And so oh. I, my story was about a guy that had lost his wife and was like getting over it and, or not getting over it, but getting through it. And um, she like brought me into the office and was like, yeah, it was, it was like the best kind of cry. <laughs> yeah. And so she was another professor that kind of encouraged me to keep writing. And so I kept writing short stories all through the rest of college and adulthood. (laughs) I'm old now. And then about three years ago, I joined a writing group. Um, You guys know Stephanie. She was Mm -hmm. in it and Sarah and um, a couple other people. And we started sharing our stories. Um, I think we met through Instagram. And then my friend Sarah was writing a novel and I was editing for her. And I was like, she's a mom. She, she's like a homeschool stay-at-home mom and she's doing this. Like I want to do this. So I started writing my first book when Ruel, my second child was two months old, which is a crazy time to start writing, but I think I needed it in that time of motherhood. And that was what, two and a half years ago. And I'm on my fifth book now. So clearly I enjoyed it and I haven't stopped since. So it can be so feeding, like, especially when you're home with young kids and I don't know, your days just get so dull. (laughs) It can be so encouraging to just have something that's yours. I feel like a more well-rounded person when I'm doing the things I'm passionate about. And then I go and be a better mom, (laughs) you know, it's like, I think it's important to do what we're passionate about, obviously not like taking over to the point where we're in an unhealthy relationship with our family, but um, I think there's a good balance there. And so, yeah. I know that you have a poem in your recent release, the anthology that you're a part of. Yeah. Um, Do you mind if we talk about, so it's the treat trickster, that's your poem in that one, correct? Mm -hmm. How do you approach um, the process of writing a poem? How, how Mm -hmm. kind of do you go about that going from concept to kind of what that final version is? That's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, obviously it's like kind of theme related for me. I think this one was easier because I knew it was going to be a trickster and I wanted to think of something that was abnormal. And so I was like, well, maybe if there's like a trickster in Hansel and Gretel, it's, it's not, Mm. you know, Peter Pan or, you know, something um, Robin Hood that we're used to hearing. And so I think for that one specifically, I was trying to like ease people into it, expecting one thing and then hopefully kind of switching gears at the end. I also think, I don't know, this is just for me with poetry is I like the symmetry of like at the beginning and the end of the poem, how it's like when it starts, I mean, honestly, kind of like a novel, right? Your first chapter Mm -hmm. and your last chapter should be this mirror image or a flipped mirror (laughs) image, I guess. And so I think a poem can work that way too. I I like to play with words too. And so maybe the beginning of the poem talks about sunrises and the end sunset, or I don't know, you know, like it's just like this opposite or it, it comes swooping back to the beginning. And I feel like I'm still learning and trying to figure out rhythm and all of that. But I feel like when I write my books, I use a lot of poetic language. And so it's yes. kind of, it flows into that too. And it's actually very helpful when I write poetry. It's helpful for my other writing because it helps me think of about a way a tree sounds or what um, what a bird would be chirping about or, you know, like just these like things where you have to describe things in a book where it's just like the bird was chirping. Well, no, he was 
calling to his long lost lover. I don't know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, very dramatic. But I think poetry can help any writer really and like how they describe things in books too. So Mm. that was not the question, but there you go. Such a good point. So one of the things I want to ask you, like kind of related to that, like what is your process then with world building? Because both Laura and I were talking about how good you are at that. Yes. Um, I think one of the things you really, one of the skills you really have, and I see both in your short stories and your flash fiction and even in your poetry too, but especially in your novels is placing the reader in this very immersive world and like this um, aesthetic that you create around this world that makes you feel like you're there and you can see it and it feels so unique and um, creative. And I'm curious how you go about coming up with that. Do you have ideas or tips or processes that you use for building a world? I'm trying to think if it's been the same for all of my books. Um, For the last two books, I feel like my magic has played a part in how my world forms. And so, so for the book that I'm querying now, um, she uses human dreams or she harvests human dreams and uses it to replenish their planet because they have no sun. And so I was trying to think like, okay, if she has this magical thing where she needs human dreams, why does she need human dreams? Well, maybe they turn into fertilizer for the ground or they, you know, like just random things that the sun does for us. And so I'm like, well, okay, well maybe they would have no sun and that's the reason they need magic. And so it kind of like, um, just goes in like, what's the word I'm trying to think? It's like dominoes. There we go. Yeah. Like Love it. it um, sounds like you use a lot of question, like question answer kind of yeah. thing. Like, so asking yourself a question based on one idea and then that leads maybe to another question and which yeah. leads to another one. Yeah. yeah. Like what would their world need if they had the lack of something or if their magic gave them something extra that we don't have, you know, like, so it's always based on our world, but taking out something or adding something in. So this next book I'm working on is about seasonal magic. So um, I divided the world up into four different like seasonal hemisphere provinces, things. And so that's, that's been fun to think about, but then I'm like, okay, well, what would each, of these realms have that the other one doesn't because Hmm. the reason that they're broken into four different seasons is so that they don't change seasons and so that their trade is very marketable you know like they trade with each other yeah consistent um reliable and so just thinking about like what would each of these seasons have and the other one wouldn't things like that yeah it's definitely like questions like you start with one idea and you just keep snowballing. And a lot of those things come up before I even start writing. Um, I'd like to have as much as I can a full formed world in my head, but then the little details, like what would light bulbs look like? You know, would they have light bulbs with solar lights? Would they have um, fire? Like some of that comes as I go and just kind of remembering what this world would have or not. Yeah. Do you often start your stories then with the world is that like do the concepts often start there I know with the like seasonal one it sounds like like mm-hmm. from what we've talked about before it kind of started there yeah I'm just curious how that then affects your plotting like do you plot first or do you not plot at all do you start with the world and then work towards the plot or start with the- does that make sense yeah well I always outline I'm definitely a planter 
because even if you outline, you're still changing things, yes. like totally revamping everything. But I like to know what the theme of their project's going to be. Like, what does the character learn and what is like the bigger picture theme, right? And I always want it to play into their magic. I, I write fantasy, if you couldn't tell. Um, or their world somehow, like the reason she has this kind of magic is because she's going to save the world at the end, you know, like or something like that. It sounds like it can yeah. start kind of anywhere, but you usually outline a bit first and then um, move from there into other things. But, and it also sounds like you really start with theme. I think every author kind of has a, their own like starting place, like, and maybe every book can vary too, but a lot of times I find as I talk to authors, they'll either start with character or they'll start with the world building or the magic system, or they'll start with the concept or the plot or, or the theme or, you know, like, so it's always interesting to me to just hear the differences because it's all valid, right? Like it all works. The last, actually all of them, I think I've started with a high concept, one line idea for all of them. Like what if you, when you turn 18, you inherit magic, but what if it isn't the magic you want? but but your enemy has it or something um so that was illusionist and the yeah. thread of dreams was what if these people steal human dreams to keep their planet alive but the humans don't know but then suddenly there's a boy who sees nova and then her world kind of unravels and so like that's where that came from so i do mm -hmm. think having that high concept idea actually helps you in the long run because that's what agents want anyway sure. so they want that like <laughs> one line pitch yes. yeah. and it's something that you can like come back to and be like okay this was the idea of this story and then you can kind of go from there yeah and would you talk a little bit about querying I know you've done quite a bit of querying but I know but you also <laughs> I'm gonna brag on Emily yes. <laughs> because she has gotten more full requests for illusionists than any author I've known has gone for requests. Like you're the guru of um, Corey letters in my brain, or at least in my circle. <laughs> so do you have any advice for that? Yeah, um, I think the high concept thing is valid for querying too. I think what got a lot of agents um, interested in Illusionist is because I, I pitched it as Jane Austen meets X-Men. Um, so it was definitely putting these like two weird ideas together or weird, I mean, good ideas, but yeah. putting them together and like, being like, how strange can I make this? Um, but I guess it felt fresh to them. I don't know that my, obviously my story wasn't as developed as it should have been. I've learned a lot since Illusionist. I've learned um, to write the story I want to write, maybe not mm -hmm. try to just make it this big concept and then not fulfill either myself or <laughs> the agents or anyone I, still I think was it's fulfilled a, reading it. I love that book. So. Well, thank you. Yeah. So what, for whatever reason, it didn't get picked up. I think getting a lot of feedback on the query is important, especially people that have not read the book. So I had, I mean, you probably read it, Bethany. Mm -hmm. So like, um, I had like four or five people who's read the book, give me feedback. I mean, like, does this, am I missing anything or should I leave something out? Um, because we always put way more in at the first few drafts of the query than we need to. There's so much that can be cut. <laughs> so making it short is good. And then getting people that have not read the book to read your query and just being like, what in the world doesn't make sense? Because your brain already fills in the gaps. You do this when you edit too. You're filling in the gaps. Um, you don't see you know, where your plot holes are or where you, know, you haven't explained something because your brain already knows 
this thing about the world. And so it's the same thing with a query. That's such great advice. Like we think a lot about having beta readers for our books, but to mm-hmm. get feedback on your query letter too is yeah. it's something I don't think people think about, but it it, it mm-hmm. does make a difference for sure. Yeah, the Instagram writing community, I love it. Um, there's always people asking if I need readers for anything, and I have to turn people away because, I mean, too much feedback starts feeling heavy. So even if it's a little tiny edit, I'm like, oh, not again. So definitely be wise in how much feedback you get. And that could be for editing your books, you know, having beta readers, you know, sometimes I have seven and it's almost too much. So definitely small groups of beta readers for your own sanity. <laughs> I think that's really wise, especially when, I, I mean, getting all those different viewpoints on it it's almost like it starts to become not yours anymore it's like you're bringing in too many chefs (laughs) yeah no that's true if you change everything that everyone said then you're no longer listening to your own voice but other people and I think you know when you get the same feedback on something like more than once then that's a time to listen or even to like sit with it for a couple days and be like okay will this make my story stronger or will it just change it in a different way, you know, like I think you could write your story hundreds of different ways, but will it make it stronger or will it just make it different? You know, so that's up to you and what you love. Do you have a beta reader process at all? Or is it kind of do you leave it open? Like how how do you usually approach that? I have a couple alpha readers, Bethany is one, and then my friends Kate and Bonnie, they write like adult fantasy, but they're still like really good at just story and so Bethany's my young adult (laughs) and then my friend Adelaide um, as well she writes young adult and so I usually run I would say this last story it took me a few drafts to like get it ironed out it was pretty confusing it still might be a little bit yeah so I do like an alpha round where it's like usually the second or third draft where I'm like I know there's issues and I definitely know there's editing issues but I want you to get the general feel of the story and like kind of the form of it. And like, what are the big things I'm missing? Definitely plot holes. I need to know the plot holes. Or like if something doesn't work, that's really big, like structurally, because it's so much harder to change that stuff later when you've been sitting with it for so long. So yeah, getting like some kind of alpha group that you really trust their opinion is really important. And then I'll go through another one or two rounds. Um, and then I'll send it out to some betas that I mainly just put it on Instagram. Like, would you like to beta read? And um, people respond. I will say I, I do want people that read the genre. You don't have to have only young adult fantasy if that's what you write. But I would say the majority would probably be a good idea that. Oh, oh and another thing. Don't just ask writers, ask readers, <laughs> especially when you're getting to the end. Like my alpha readers are writers. I want them to like help me with the structure. But you want readers, you know, kind of that mix to like read it and just give you like general, I didn't like this scene. They won't tell you why. They don't probably don't understand like the pacing was off. You know, they will just say it feels slow. You know, like they'll just do general things, which is good. And, or I like this character or I didn't like this character, things like that, which I think is probably good, (laughs) right? Mm Because most people reading your book will probably just be readers and not, you know, tearing it apart like we do when we read books (laughs) (laughs) and then I just kind of 
wrote down notes as I went of what people said that really resonate with me. And I was like, yeah, this is where I want to implement that. And that's kind of my process. I probably changes every time because I'm learning. Do you have any advice for people, writers wanting to build community that they trust? Like, I mean, you Mm. mentioned having alpha readers that you really trust. Like, how did you find those people? How did you go about that? Yeah, I would say um, test it. I can't even remember how I found some people, (laughs) but I think (laughs) it's like through, hey, do you want to read a chapter and give me feedback? Or do you want to read a short story and give me feedback? Like nothing where they're like reading your entire novel. For an alpha, I would say a betas, sure, whatever. But someone that is going to be tearing your manuscript apart, you want that person to have the personality you need for that. Mm. Like I need people to be honest but kind, <laughs> to be <laughs> to be excited about the story. And so I tested the waters probably a lot of like, mm. hey, read the short story, and just like, how did you receive that feedback from that person? Was it really harsh, and you were like okay, I don't want to work with this person. And were they willing to read yours and you're willing to read theirs? Like, you know, I think it's easier when you're both like kind of in the same committed uh, mindset of writing too. Like there's some people that maybe just write once every three months, you know, like, and if that's not you, you probably want someone that's going to be hardcore with you or whatever. Or if you're the opposite, maybe you're just writing for a hobby and don't want to publish, you know, like, so I think picking that is important. Yeah. That's been my experience too, is just kind of putting out open calls and then seeing what you get and seeing how, how someone's feedback drives with you. And I've always found that like, there's usually one or two people in the group that I'm like, oh yeah, this really, they're on the same wavelength as me, or this is what I need, the kind of feedback I need. And so then I'll reach out to them more personally and for future projects. Or Yeah. Um, okay, so I consider you the queen of short story. <laughs> I do too, actually. <laughs> Just within the like 10 people we know, right? <laughs> actually, I really do. I think you are very, very skilled at short story writing. Absolutely. Um, and at doing a lot with characters and with the world and with concept in a very short amount of words. It's incredibly impressive to me all of the time. And I'm curious if you have advice for writing short stories or what is your, how does your approach to writing short stories vary or differ from your approach to writing novels? And do you have any advice for people wanting to do that more? Yeah, I would say first read short stories, read a lot of them. If you're interested, read people that are published or come read the flash fiction magic tag. Shout out. And just find out like, what do you like about them? Um, for one, how can you kind of emulate the style just for practice? I think the similarities of both of writing a novel and flash fiction or short story is that you kind of still need a character arc. You still need that character to begin and end somewhere different, whether that's growth or they have a sudden realization at the end that they're like not the person who they thought they were but it's also different in that you're not building an entire world with hundreds of characters you know like it's it's more of a snapshot than like a whole movie so you really have to narrow down (laughs) and this is hard there there was a short story I wrote not too long ago where I hated it and I couldn't figure out why I hated it and my friend Bonnie was like well because you're trying to do too much world building I'm like oh yeah Mm. and so realize okay what did I want to say about this story 
again, went back to theme, like, what is the theme I want to come out of this? And my thought was what, what does home mean? So Mm. I kind of wrapped my story around that idea, but I needed that person, that character to start out somewhere different in the beginning, like searching for this idea of home. And then when they end, they realize home is not what they thought it looked like. It looks different. And so that's kind of like the parameters I set. And then if you're writing, I mean, you kind of do world building in any kind of writing, but um, fantasy definitely more so you can do too much in a short story. I think it's fun and tricky to kind of immediately immerse the reader into this world, but not too much. Like you don't want to draw away from the character. I think short stories, personally, I think they should be more about the character development, you know, than a fight scene or something. And so if your character's in a underwater world, just show like little tiny pieces of that. Don't show them the entire kingdom or, or whatnot. Um, just allude to things maybe, but and also don't do a lot of backstory. If you find you're doing backstory way too much, then you've started your story in the wrong place. You should just mm-hmm. be about the backstory yeah. and that becomes a short story. <laughs> That's such great advice. I, th- I think doing the flash fiction and like writing short stories has, it has so much value for teaching you how to write a scene too, and how mm-hmm. to portray information to the reader really quickly, because you're right. You have to boil it down. You can't put everything in there. Um, and so you have to figure out what's really important to this and what isn't. And I think those are really good questions for, for any writer to start to ask and learn how to ask, even when they're approaching a bigger project. And your advice about backstory, I think, can apply to novels too. Like Absolutely. if you're, you're getting too much backstory in there, you might be starting in the wrong place. That's yeah. true. I will say, I think that what I love the most about short stories is the ending. In books, you kind of have to wrap things up. It's kind of, here's a whole chapter of what's going to happen sometimes. And short stories, I love when they end with this, like, it's like a minor chord. Yes. There's some tension still. And it's like, okay, this is, I think where the reader or the writer was going with this. I think this is what the character is going to do next, but it kind of almost leaves it open to interpretation. Yes. And that's what I love about it. Or it's like, there's this trick ending that you didn't expect. And then you're like left with your jaw dropped and you can get away with that with short stories because the reader's not like immersed into the book you know like if someone did that with the book I'd be angry (laughs) and I'd be like wait where's the rest of it but since you're not like so devoted to those characters you're like oh well there is a bait and switch and then you're like done with it you know but it it lets you think about it but you're not like angry about it so I think short stories can get away with that much easier yeah you're right that's not a great great for the end of a novel but it can be great for the end of a scene like to have those kinds of like jaw drop moments or those reveals or that little um punchy line or whatever it is I think you are very good at that like that is another skill I see a lot in your writing so if anyone is curious what we mean by these kinds of like bait and switches like go read Emily's flash fiction it's like she does it almost every time and every time I'm like how did you get me like thinking it was going this way and then it's going that way I've watched way too much Twilight Zone (laughs) but that's great because what's great about that is it can go in so many different directions and you can even do that illusion and then it could go even in a different direction yeah exactly (laughs) which I love again as you're talking about short stories I love that too that it can kind of be in that place where it's still a little uncertain where it's still a little who knows what's going to happen next. I I recently um, 
in preparation for this was reading your short stories from What Darkness Fears. And I love the Nightwalkers and the Ghost in the Thicket. Both of those had this great, I mean, they're wonderfully atmospheric, had a lot of that uncertainty throughout of where they were going to go. And I loved how they each ended in their own unique places where you're like, okay, (laughs) trying to figure out what happened. But I think that is the power of short stories. It it doesn't tie a ribbon on it. It keeps it open and keeps it open to that interpretation. Yeah, definitely. Which brings up the fact that you have been in multiple anthologies lately and had a couple of things picked up in even some other publications. So I'm curious, like, how does that kind of submitting vary from querying a novel? It's not as scary. (laughs) It's much work. It's nice because they're usually specific themes. So that helps because you know exactly what this publication or this anthology is looking for. When you write a book, it's like, here's my idea and my concept and my thought. And then an agent will be like, well, I'm not looking for that. So I think it's easier to, you know, whether it's a theme stated or, you know, some kind of idea that definitely helps. (laughs) I don't know. I think there's just less pressure when it's to an anthology. I mean, when you don't get in, it is still sad, you know, when your story doesn't make it in, but you're also not investing so much in the story either. And so it's less pressure, but it's also such good practice. I mean, I used to get so nervous sending stories out. I hated sharing my work. (laughs) Well, I didn't hate it, but I was nervous to share my work. Hmm. But then I realized the more I shared it, the more confident I became because even if I got rejections, some people still loved them. And so I'm like, okay, well, it's reaching some kind of audience. And also your craft gets better. Um, So like gohavoc.com is a great place to um, send your stories. I've gotten one out of three (laughs) published there, but they actually have an option where they'll send you back notes, like why they didn't. So it's nice just to get that. So a lot of the places I've submitted to that I didn't get in, yeah, they'll give you feedback. And so you can kind of grow your craft in that. And that I think probably helps growing your craft in novel writing too. Do you have a place that you go that kind of brings together the competitions or do you just know after having kind of done research, what Mm. places are currently taking them or what, what ones do submissions? I mostly found them through Instagram, just the different writing community. People will post anthologies a lot the What Darkness Fears and Fool's Honor from the same editor. And so I knew that one was coming up because I was in the other book and she had that posted. And then people from that group submit to Go Havoc. And then um, someone from Flash Fiction Magic, Sherry works with Spark Flash, which they have a fantasy edition coming up this summer. And Bethany got me into the motherhood one coming up. So (laughs) It's, it's really like about, just the community, honestly, is how I found a lot of those things. I have searched quite a bit for short story things. I don't know that I'm good enough to get into some of the like highbrow literary or even sci-fi stuff. Like there's some that are like super sci-fi and I'm like, okay, I'm more in like soft sci-fi. Like, let's talk about feelings. (laughs) Yes. Robots. So yeah, it's definitely interesting, like trying to find that balance of like, where would my story actually shine or where would it like stand out even? Because that, that can be hard to like stand out if your story is like everyone else's too. So 
I think getting involved with other writers, what are they doing? You know, are they submitting? That's where I found a lot of stuff. But yeah, Google works too. (laughs) (laughs) I find it's always overwhelming when you just search for like search Google for submitting places. I just get kind of overwhelmed and I'm like, I don't know what to do, but you're right. Like as you kind of get to know and build your community, like you'll hear that other people are submitting places and you'll hear about different opportunities. And, and as you find your own opportunities, you'll share about those and other people will hear about that from you. And it it just kind of is a nice reciprocal way to grow in your craft and to, to find what's out there for sure. Yeah. I actually saw on your stories that you'd submit to mood pitch that is that new I'd never heard of it before yeah that was a new one they a couple authors I think started so they do like mood boards um and so you like make this visual um along with your pitch on Twitter so it's fun I think it was only three tweets a day which I was like that's very manageable but I really enjoy doing the Twitter pitch parties because I enjoy like kind of boiling my main idea back down which comes back to that high concept thing that you thought of in the beginning it can really help you later, <laughs> especially even when you query, there are agents who ask, give me a one line tagline or blurb, like, or three sentences or one sentence. And so you have to be able to kind of boil down your story. This has been good practice. I haven't really, I did get like one smaller publisher like today, but it's so like, well, there's, there's another but yeah so many people that post there so yeah it's so oversaturated maybe some of those pitch contests it's hard to yeah so speaking of like boiling down to a single line or something like that I've seen like formulas for that do you have like a a formula or way you go about thinking about that or it just depends on the story and how you boil it down I don't have like a sentence you know like formula where I say it in my head I just know Mm -hmm. like I need to state who the character is and like what she wants what's the conflict and what will happen if she doesn't resolve it type of thing. So it's kind of that three point idea. I'm sure there's like actual really good sentences <laughs> about <laughs> what you should like think through. But I think as long as you have that, like, what do they want? What's in their way? And what will happen if it doesn't happen? That's usually um, kind of what I go with. That's helpful. That's really, I think yeah. that's really great. Like way to think about the heart of a, any story really. Yeah, um, both for a pitch and for as you're writing it too. And it's sometimes like getting it down to that type of a thing, having those very clear yeah. this, this, and this, so that you don't have all those details that you're like, but what about this? And I put yeah. that in there. Like, it's nice to have that to kind of help you just yeah. really figure out what's the important part. Yeah, that's a good thing with queries. You can cut so much out and having those three ideas. I always do it in three paragraphs when I do a query, but a lot, some people do two or it's kind of nice to be like, this is who she is. This is a conflict. Uh Oh, what's going to happen? Because I, I really wanted to add, she has a cool magical shawl that has yeah. new magic in it, and it sucks out her emotion. It's so cool. But I, I was like, that doesn't really deal with the conflict much, you know, it does, but it doesn't. it's not the main thing. And so you know, things like that, where it's like, I really love this, but it just didn't fit into the query. Having smart people around you helps too. (laughs) Well, and then it's something that if they're, you know, if they do ask for the pages and read it, it's something that could surprise them, which is not right. Yeah. 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 I was thinking like, well, that comes up in the first chapter. So it's not really a big deal. How is querying going right now? I I know you are in the trenches. (laughs) How are you feeling? Marvelously. And that is sarcasm. (laughs) 
It's funny because when I wrote this book, I told myself, I want to write the book I want to write. You know, I will have a high concept idea, but I'm going to go into the crazy world building, the lush atmosphere, like poetic writing. I actually have poems in it. And I want to tell a story that has huge, like thematic stuff, even if that means I don't land an agent. <laughs> and I've gotten quite a few rejections so far. So apparently I'm really holding up that dream. Um, <laughs> But that's okay. I know that the publishing world is kind of crazy right now. If you've been on Twitter, there's just so many tweets, even from agents saying it's a really bad time to query. Like they're not saying don't query, but they're saying it's been really hard. Um, and that they're, a lot of their focus is on their current clients. And so I'm like, you know, maybe that's true. Maybe it's just, they don't want this kind of story. And that's might be true too. I feel like this last couple of weeks have been, an existential crisis moment where I'm just like, what do I want out of my stories? Like I want them to be published, but it doesn't have to be at HarperCollins, you know, um, that is still a dream. That would be amazing if that happened, but I'm starting my fifth book and I'm just like ready for them to be out there. And I think I've gotten better <laughs> at writing. Yeah. And so I'm just more open, I guess, to where this leads. And so my thought process going into this time was, I'm going to send it to only the agents I really, really want to work with. And if they say no, then I'm going to see what other publishers are out there or self-publish or, you know, who knows? Yeah. So that's how that's going. It doesn't mean that I'm not sad when I get the rejections. I think I've gotten seven or so in the past couple of weeks um, and they've been pretty quick. <laughs> so I'm like, oh no. So actually today I actually um, rewrote my first lines because I'm crazy, but I've had to do that with the last okay, all of my books, I've written my first lines. I don't know if you guys do this, but I start querying and then depending, I, I think I only got one response that said the main character felt kind of remote. And I was like, okay, how do I take this? But I think what she meant was that she couldn't connect with her right away. And I'm like, which is too bad because it's very close third person, but the beginning is not so much. There's a lot and, of world building at the beginning. Yeah, yeah so I actually changed the first four paragraphs <laughs> to kind of get you right into Nova's head. And so I don't know if that's the issue that people are finding, but I think it's smart to listen, you know, if you're starting to get actual personalized feedback because yeah. agents don't have time to do that. And so if they do that, it's, you know, maybe listen, you know, if it's something ridiculous, then don't, but <laughs> Well, that brings up a good point too, though, about batch querying and not just like yeah. querying everyone all at once, because you can kind yeah. of then use the feedback you get from those first few queries to lead into what you're going to do next. Yeah. And I wish I would have done less probably because I just sent it all to my favorite ones. And I'm like, oh wait, I have a better version now. <laughs> I still have a few favorites that are closed. There's a lot of closed agents right now. Yeah. That's also a great point that sometimes like even the act of sending it out, maybe going to ones that aren't necessarily your top ones. Cause sometimes yeah. when you do, you all of a sudden learn something and you're like, Oh, this, yeah. this will make it better. And then you can yeah. go the ones that you really want. Yeah. yeah. I think I did that last time where I was like, here's like my A agents, my B agents, my C agents. <laughs> but then it's like, if you get an offer, it's like you it's have true. to hurry and like send it to like right. all these it's so stressful <laughs> knowing like, what do you actually do? I just don't want to query anymore. So. It is so hard and it can be so discouraging. Do you have like a way that you handle that? Like when you're feeling discouraged from querying or when you have a day when you've gotten a lot of rejections, like 
What do you do then? <laughs> uh, I text my CPs, <laughs> my critique <laughs> partners. Um, actually, my friend Kate's querying right now. And I, mm-hmm. I do recommend querying with somebody. It's fun yeah. because you can cry together yeah. and laugh together. And I think having people that know your writing and know your story, having them around you is good because they remind you, you're a good writer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, even if it's a lie, I want you to tell me this. <laughs> I want to hear it because you need to like, just be reminded that it could be totally subjective, you know, and it usually is. I think that definitely helps just having people telling you the truth, reminding you that just because this story didn't sell or the story didn't get picked up. Like it doesn't mean you're a bad writer because that's the instant thought is, Oh, I'm rejected. I'm horrible. Yeah. Uh, like from one extreme to the other and you get a fool and you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm so good. Um, and then, you know, it's definitely, so I think just having those level-headed people reminding you of things good, honestly, too, like submit short stories to anthologies. Like I think unless you obviously get rejected a lot with that too that would be sad but sometimes they get picked up and then it's like such a excitement because I'm like yeah I haven't had a novel published but I'll have four anthologies out this year and that's so much fun because that's still my name and writing that's still me building a readership and so when it's time to publish a novel whenever that will be they'll kind of have those glimpses and hopefully you're already building that readership too you know honestly like with flash fiction magic I found a lot of favorite writers through there I'm like yeah oh this writer writes I would totally pick up their book you know tomorrow so I feel the same way there's a lot of great talent there that I have learned from and gotten to enjoy and would totally yeah. read it yeah I know right so keep putting your work out there in little ways even when you're doing the big things because it can be really rewarding even if it's little tiny flash pieces on Instagram it's still exciting when someone says they enjoyed your work or it hit them a certain way or they cried or whatever. It's like, you're still reaching people, even if your reach is really small right now. This entire interview has had, I mean, you've given such great advice and takeaways, mm-hmm. but as kind of that last question, if you could speak directly to someone who is going after um, writing, who's kind of just starting out, what advice would you give to them? Yeah, I already used up all my advice. Um <laughs> Just to reiterate, I think don't do it alone. I think writing can be such a lonely process, but don't just leave it on your computer, like share it with people. I know it's scary because people will have opinions and that's okay. I think that's what grows you. That's what is going to make you a better writer. Um, If someone's a jerk, obviously don't, (laughs) don't go to that person, but there are definitely people out there that want to like encourage you and support you in your writing. And so definitely reach out to people you know, share in their excitement. They can share in yours. I think it's so important. And then, yeah, submit your stories places, you know, especially if you're just starting out, you're probably going to get a lot of rejections just because you're new to writing. It's going to take time to kind of refine that. And you're going to be refining your writing for the rest of your life. And so I think just keep learning and also know that rejection is going to happen, whether it's small or big, it's definitely going to happen but keep going. (laughs) There are people that need your specific story. We tell the same stories over and over and over again, but we tell them in different ways. And so it's going to resonate. It's going to hit someone differently than if someone else told it. And we have different life experiences and different thoughts and opinions and dreams. And everyone that has a heart and a passion for writing, I think that gift was given to them. And I think that they should just keep doing it their own way. 
and to keep your eyes on your own paper, <laughs> to, not, to learn from the greats and to learn from others, but to not try to be them and not try to compare. That is such great advice. Thank you, Emily, so much. This has been a delight and so fun to just get to talk with you and learn from your experiences and your journey. Yeah. If you have not checked out Emily, go find her on Instagram. We'll have her uh, link to her website and Instagram and all of those things, Twitter in the notes. So you can find it there and check out Flash Fiction Magic too, because it's really fun. (laughs) Come join us. It's great. (laughs) Yeah. Keep reading, keep writing. And like Emily said, keep putting your work out into the world, even if it's scary. 